Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have their own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we serve you at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on outlets such as iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. You'll get immediate access to over 250 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators like you and fresh content delivered directly to your app every single week. So today, we're going to cover a topic that is actually very, very, very much in the news as of late, and it's about the growth of entrepreneurship and minority communities, minority entrepreneur success. And one of the things that we've seen is, according to the Small Business Administration, there are over 30 million small businesses in the United States, and out of that number, roughly 8 million are owned by a minority. But that number is on the rise. In fact, in fact, very recently, a survey conducted and reported in Black Enterprise Magazine showed that in particular, black business ownership in the United States, African-American business ownership, has jumped 400% in a one-year time period from 2017 to 2018. And there have been other areas where we've seen a lot of dramatic growth, including Hispanics, Asians, and Native Americans. We have big percentages and big amounts of growth. And with these changes and with these very positive developments comes opportunity and come challenges. I'm very excited to cover this topic today and to help us do so. I'm thrilled to have with us a gentleman who I've had the opportunity to get to know here a little bit. Very great guy. His name is Albert Williams, and he's the founder of PlanBuildBecome.com. So, Albert, welcome aboard. Come on in. Adam, the weather's fine. Adam, thank you so much for having me today. I'm delighted to be here. You bet. What I'd like to do here, before we dive into the main topic of what we're going to cover today, is just sort of take a step back and get to know you a little bit, because I think some of our listeners may now be opening a separate browser tab. They're looking up, who is this Albert Williams of Plan, Build, Become? And let's just take a step back here and tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Sure. So, um... The middle of two children, um, raised by a single mother in the Bronx. Um, originally, we were, I was born in Jamaica, migrated to the U.S. when I was about eight years old. Um, I guess I grew up in the Bronx, the home of the Yankees. And over the years, watching my mother work multiple jobs to um, put us through school and make sure we had a, a great education. So, um, my brother is a police officer. My sister is a, a registered nurse like my mom before she retired. Um, it gave me the work ethic and the um, the drive to to go forward and to do many things. And 
after completing St. John's and doing um, with the degree in computer science, doing about 12, 12 and a half years in, uh, maybe about 15 years in um, corporate America, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to go full-fledged um, into entrepreneurship. I've always owned several businesses while working in different companies and in different aspects, even while in school, I owned businesses. But full-fledged, um, I decided about about seven years ago, right before my daughter was born, to um, go full-fledged into entrepreneurship. And that's when I bought a company called Best Deal Car Service. I bought into a company called Best Deal Car Service uh, in the Bronx. And uh, when I purchased Best Deal, Best Deal had 30 vehicles. Today we have a little bit over 300. Um, Best Deal was one company. Today we have four companies um, that make up the make up what we call the Best Deal group of companies. So, so wow, a little, yeah, that's that's great stuff. And I had a chance to check that out a little bit myself. And I've also been to your website, Plan, Build, Become, and I know you have a lot of things to share with us today on this whole topic, so I'd really like to dive in. So as a minority entrepreneur yourself, Albert, what have you learned uh, through your trajectory being a minority entrepreneur here in America? One thing I can tell you, um, hands down, and most minority entrepreneurs will agree with this, it's harder for us to um, – it's, it's harder for us. So like, I'm in the invest deal. We're in the um, – we do a traditional car service like an Uber. We have an app where you can call us on the phone. and But we also right. do a lot of non-emergency medical transportation where if you are um, retired and you have insurance or you're getting Medicaid or Medicare from the state and you need to get to a doctor's appointment, um, you call, um, we're contracted with the state to take you to that appointment and the state pays for it. So contracts such as those, those are the simple ones to get into because it's 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 broker-based. But to go after the bigger contracts and do the bigger work and the, um, to do the, the larger volumes, it's harder for minorities to break into the market. So as a minority in, in America or as a minority in business in general, I find it a lot harder for us to get access to capital, for us to get contracts that make sense, and for us to be the leads on contract as opposed to the subcontractor below the subcontractor below the subcontractor. Does that make sense, Anna? Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know what else is interesting is, according to that same article from Black Enterprise I cited a few moments ago, uh, the same survey indicated that an overwhelming majority, uh, particularly of black entrepreneurs, I think they said 80%, said that lack of capital is one of the most challenging aspects of growing and running a business. Absolutely, that's 100%. Yeah, yeah. So what about, now are we specifically talking about traditional funding sources like banks and small business loans, or are we also getting into some of the non-traditional funding areas as well? Are those also a challenge, or do those present an opportunity? Well, I would say um, well, most people know traditionally SBA, small business administration loans, and banks, right? The 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 newer stuff, like the the – maybe the right word is the more – Newer stuff, maybe the more sexy stuff, like um, GoFundMe and um, these other different op- these are these other different um, tools that present themselves. The the average entrepreneur, uh, the average entrepreneur has no idea how to how to get to those funded. Like when I first started, I looked at banks and I looked at SBA SBA loans, and they wouldn't touch me. You know, um, quickly I would say um, last week, Inc. Magazine or a couple of weeks ago, Inc. Magazine came out with. Um, 
the Inc. 5000, and that still applies to that list. And uh, we made the list at uh, uh, 2965, right, out of 5,000 right. um, fastest-growing companies in America. And um, the list came out, and two days after the list came out, I'm getting a request. Here you go. You need a loan. You need some money. But where were you when I needed money before? Right. right? So instead of me asking, they're calling me. How did you get this number? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so now I'm getting calls and offer or access to capital when I honestly, you know, um, I want to say I don't need it because you could always use more money to grow the business, but I'm not seeking it. And when I was seeking it, the same banks that didn't offer it, that didn't want to give it to me, didn't want to take my phone call, are some of the same guys that are calling me right now saying, hey, we noticed that you're in Inc. Magazine. How much do you need again? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me yeah, uh, yeah, just a couple guys rapping here. Let me tell you my story. When I first started as an entrepreneur, I went full-time with this whole entrepreneur thing in 2005. Well, naturally, uh, I was in my cash-free period. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurial ventures go through what's known as the revenue-free period. And, okay, so I ran up a little bit of credit card debt. Who doesn't do that? Just one or two cards. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. two, or so 20. I, yeah, one, two, or twenty, maybe forty. Now, yeah, but anyway, I go. To, yeah, but I go to uh, a traditional bank, and uh, they have these things called debt consolidation loans that I can run through my business, uh, applied to the business tax ID. Cool, sign me up for one of those. So they sign me up for one, and then at the same time, it's like, oh, would you like a merchant account? Would you like this? Would you like that? And so I pay off the first loan. Then I say, how oh, the hell with it? Let's do a second loan. Not only do I immediately get approved for a second loan, but word gets out that I've applied for a loan, and I have bank officers from competing banks showing up at the door of my home office unannounced, uninvited, with paperwork already filled out. Just, Adam, tell me how much you want, and I'll make a call and get it approved. <laughs> so I already had my second loan, paid that off early. By now, we're in 2013, and this is past the Great Recession, this is past the bubble, this is past Dodd-Frank and everything else, and I'm thinking, okay, so now that I've successfully paid off that big debt consolidation loan, we're talking about $20,000, let's do another one, because I uh, ran up a couple things during the Great Recession, let's bang that one out too. Boy, you'd have, th you'd have thought I was asking for their firstborn child in a pint of blood. <laughs> like, what changed? What changed? And, and, and uh, I'm not going to take up the whole interview on just how absurd the whole thing was. But uh, let's say, uh, let's just say uh, at one point they were um, looking for, you know, to, to uh, cover a business loan. They were looking at my personal funding, and they came up with some weird algorithm where they were counting my student loan against me three times. So the, the, you know, the, the amount of money I owe my student loans, they were finding a way to count that three times against me. And when I questioned that, they said, uh, say, Adam, we were just wondering, uh, why do you have a student loan? Now, at this point, at this point, Albert, I said, look, 20 years ago, I graduated from secondary school and wanted to go to college. And you know how it is with tuition and books. Well, it was the same way back then, too. So what I needed to do is I needed to get funding to pay for my education. So I took out a student loan to use the seed money for the meth lab that I use to fund my books. <laughs> and you, you, you would have you thought I 
you would have thought that I spoke some sort of blasphemy. Like, these people yeah. could not take a joke. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, like, come on. And, and the whole thing had you know, been reduced to a joke. So that, that's why I said that. I mean, of course I didn't fund a meth lab. Of course you didn't. Kidding me? But they, yeah, but they actually took it at face value that maybe I should be looked into because I would make a statement like that. Are you freaking kidding me? And I have heard that uh, in some cases there is a trend that we see where they can't exactly tell you no, you can't have a loan, but they can just bury you in questions until you just give up. You just give up, and that's what it is. Um, I mean, see – as my as minority entrepreneurs, we face that every day, right? So, right. you we have um, uh, a minority certified an MB minority business enterprise. We are certified with the city and certified with the state, and all they do is just give you paperwork, paperwork, and more paperwork. You know, let me get you. You know, the old TVs are filled out in triplicate. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, filled it out in triplicate, and after you fill it out in triplicate, um, uh, I need double space, not single space typed. Right, so that's the challenge of a minority entrepreneur today. Right. Yeah, and that's a real yeah. that's a real challenge, right? So for me, same thing. I I grew best deal through through credit cards, through personal savings from um my days back in the corporate world. Um and now, you know, five years later, five, six years later, hey, here's all the capital you need. Well, I could have gotten further a long time ago if a bank would turn around and say, hey, small business guy, minority entrepreneur, small business, this is this is what it is. Here you go. Here's an opportunity. And that doesn't exist today right. until you make some, some fancy list or et cetera. And don't get me wrong, nothing against the list. It's, it's a product oh, accomplishment, yeah. right? But yeah. without, yeah, without the challenges, without that, you know, no one knows where, where I know what it took to get to that list. The bankers, they're not concerned about that. They just see right now, hey, you know what? We can give this guy some we give this guy a loan now, um, and um he'll be able to pay it back. Oh yeah, because now you've been credentialized because Correct. you're one of the five thousand fastest growing companies and you know what, Albert, I'm just gonna come out and say it. They're looking for the PR win to say Correct. that they loan to a minority entrepreneur. I bro I really believe that's the case. I mean that's what it is. You know, our yeah. list, our listeners can go back the previous episodes of Business Creators Radio Show where we've discussed traditional funding, and you'll find that that's a pretty consistent theme, that yeah. there's really no – you'd think there's almost no right. So what about alternative funding? I think we touched on that a little bit earlier. And because, uh, and, you know, you have things like angel investors. You have things like short-term loans. And I think there's some other options as well. And, and believe me, I know the, I know the whole thing about – uh, it's only when you don't need the money that suddenly they're willing to loan it to you. I get that. I've been told that myself. Well, for 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 angel investors, I mean, it's it it depends on how well versed and how well studied the uh, entrepreneur is. He he may he or she may be able to seek an angel investor, but most people don't know that they're that they're um that these alternative sources um are there, right, that they exist, right? right. So one of the things I, I, I've i started to do, as we t- you touched on at the beginning of the podcast, I started to do, um, I came up with the idea of giving back and, and, and also at the same time helping minorities kind of wave through the water, so to speak, of what I've done, right? So Plan Bill Become, that's where Plan Bill Become came from. So the idea of you're going to plan this business, 
you're gonna build you're gonna build it and then you're gonna become the entrepreneur that you dreamed of becoming. Right. So for me with Plan Build Become, what I've what I, what we do there is we we coach minority entrepreneurs to realize their entrepreneurial aspirations. Right. So for me I have a right. business coach, right? Um yeah. I'm a I'm a member of a mastermind group. I meet every Monday at three o'clock. Member of a mastermind group. Um we did it yesterday, we'll do it again next week. And I've been in the mastermind now for three years. And being around like-minded people has helped me grow my business. Right? There's no – I can't put a dollar value on it. And on top of that, then I have one-on-one time with my coach and my mentor where we're able to discuss these – discuss whatever whatever challenges I, have, I may have in the business. I think there needs to be a place for um, minority entrepreneurs. So – in a group, in a mastermind group, I would tell you that in my mastermind group, there, there's probably throughout the entire group, I think there's 150 men in this group, and probably two of them are African American, and out of 150, maybe five of them total, including the two are minorities. So there doesn't exist that business mastermind coaching um, group for minority entrepreneurs. I know what the struggle is as a minority, so I know what you're going through as a minority trying to start and trying to grow your business, right? right? Not selling anything, whether you go with me or you go with any other coach, minority or not minority. You need, I think every business owner needs a, a coach, a mentor, a group of like-minded right. people to be around. you got to invest in yourself. And if you can't invest in yourself, you're not going to grow. If you can't grow, your business and the people that work for you can't grow. Yeah, And that's, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, I'm very open and candid myself that you know I have coaches, I have mentors, I belong to programs because in order to be of service to the business creators community, I need to be on the cutting edge myself. I need to be embracing some of the things that are coming out there and getting the support I need. And you know, Albert, I think you know this as well as anybody else. Being an entrepreneur is can be the loneliest thing in the world because. Sometimes some of the people in your family don't quite understand. Sometimes your friends don't quite understand. Sometimes they uh, they only understand the stereotypes of entrepreneurship, but not what it's really all about. Uh, you know, one real quick example for me: I don't keep nine to five hours myself. Uh, if something needs done, I get it done. But I'm not beholden to be available by default at any given time of day. You want to you know have a call with me, make an appointment, I'll be there. But uh, then, on the other hand, sometimes I'll be doing some of this business stuff outside of the 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. And people say, oh, man, that's got to be terrible. Uh, you know, maybe you should get a job and get your life back. Well, I think my life is a lot richer. But exactly. just, and, that, and, that, and that's just the most trite, basic, easily refuted thing. But that we see so much of that. Now let's get into some of the real misconceptions about what it means to be an entrepreneur and what it means to have your first-hand view of the cash flow of your business and how that impacts your personal cash flow. And we're talking about a different lifestyle. It's a whole different beast. And a lot of people think this it's a badge of honor. It could be, but no one knows the work and the time that you put in the sacrifices that between your personal sacrifices, your family sacrifices, that is that is taking you to get to this point, right? My business is a twenty four by seven shop, right? We don't close your car service. We run twenty four by seven. Right? right. Um so just imagine the demand on 
on me, um, especially when we were starting up the business where you couldn't hire everyone, couldn't hire an operations manager, couldn't hire a general manager, so those phone calls came to me. Now today I'm a lot, um, thank God I have qualified people around me um, that know that they know I've in, entrusted them and given them the tools to run the business and what to do and allow them to make decisions. But prior to that, it's, it's taken a lot of sacrifices to get to get to where we are a short five, six years later. And most yeah, people don't understand true. that. Yeah, and you know, an analogy that I was told a long time ago that I tend to agree with is, you know, you're driving down the street, you know, you, you know, you're probably driving around the Bronx, you're driving around New York City and everything else, you probably see a lot of trees. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when the sapling was planted? Were you exactly. there when it was this tiny little twig and somebody had to come around and make sure they had soil around it, make sure they got watered every day until the roots took hold? And were you there to watch the thing grow up into that very impressive tree you see along the road today? Nope. Absolutely. That's I'm the thing. That's, that's, that's the thing. They see, they see the tree, but they don't see the nurturing process because that's something that we typically don't advertise. Part of that's on us, actually. Yeah, so what I'd like to Yeah. So what I'd like to do now is let's get a little bit more into some of the aspects of some of your businesses and some of the trajectories, because you've had a pretty rich history, and I think there are some lessons back there you wanted to share with us. So uh, let's kind of skip ahead here a little bit. Before you had the transportation business you have now, you had a barber shop and a hair salon. So what did you gain from that? I know there's a few things you wanted to share with us on that. Sure. I still, I, I, you know, I, I still own a hair salon today, and I have no hair, and I couldn't help <laughs> you do your hair. <laughs> but um, the barber shop. So I bought a barber shop, a small business. It was struggling. The owner was having financial difficulties, and I used to cut my hair there. And um, I evaluate businesses probably three, four a week now. Somebody will say, "Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that?" And I've been doing it, doing this since I was about seventeen, eighteen years old. Um, so I, I'm pretty quick on looking at the numbers, looking at the value of business, and not necessarily the current the value today, looking at what I could turn this business into tomorrow, right? So I bought a barbershop a couple of years ago, um, number one, and I I liked the the guys that were in there were family guys. They were they they were coming out making an honest living, but if this barbershop closed, where would they go to feed it? Where would they go to find to work, right? Number two, where would customers like myself go to get the services that were greatly required? So, you know, who sells a business for like, I think it was like $7,500. So I bought the barbershop and continued to run the business and, and held the barbershop and grew the barbershop the, in terms of service and number of chairs and customers and just the ambiance. Grew that barbershop and um, five, six years later, I was able to sell that barbershop for about four times what I paid for it. Right. right? And the whole idea was, yeah, the capital was good. It was good to show that, you know, you could take a business, fix it up, develop it, nurture it, um, improve it, and sell it. But it's also a feel-good in that sense where you were able to keep a local business in the community open, right? And that's yeah. what that's what in my current business is the same, it's the same concept. We're a local car service, but we consider we're a local community-based car service. That's what we're classified as in New York City. Livery companies are considered as community-based car services, and it's all about the community yeah. we serve, right? And if you don't care about the community you serve and live in, then you know where are we? What are you, right? Are you, you know, 
like where, where does that show that the type of human that you are? So for that business, the barbershop was great. Um, the hair salon I still own today. I own uh, hair salons in Harlem, um, and we've grown that business as far as we could grow because it's limited by space. In New York City, as you know, there's a space problem. Um, the yeah. more space you want, the everywhere else, the more places, the most, the more it's going to cost. But especially in New York City, right. the price per square footage is ridiculous. But um, so hair salon, barbershop, and uh, like I said, it's just the idea of owning the business, growing it, and seeing how you could watch that sapling grow up into a big tree. Right. And you know the thing about barbershops and hair salons is that is a business that is going to be perennial and is fairly easy. I don't want to say – actually, I don't want to say easy. I want to say fairly likely that you can be successful at if you're doing – some of the right things. Like I have a friend who owns a barbershop right here in Las Vegas, and he currently has a shortage of people to work in the barbershop. And the week before he went on vacation, he personally in one week did 235 haircuts. Wow. Do the math on that. Wow. That's a lot of haircuts. A lot of haircuts and a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of these were your simple uh, high and tight buzz cuts, but all the same. That's still a lot of hair to cut. I mean, it's to the point where he had people in the waiting room. He told them he couldn't even serve them because there was so much demand. And what's also great about barbershops and hair salons is you can view those. And correct me if I'm wrong about this, but as I see it, you can view those as a step toward entrepreneurship because in many cases, the people who work in barbershops, the people who work in hair salons, are, in a sense, free agents. They come in, they lease the chair, or they have a contract for the chair, and when the contract's up or when they stop paying the lease, they're gone. But that's a great step if you have a a goal of ultimately having your own shop or your own salon, is you can actually be entrepreneurial and help somebody else build their business while you build your career. Uh, Absolutely. That's 100%. And that's what I did. So, you know, owning a small barbershop, you get to understand the machinations of business, right? And even prior to the barbershop, I was uh, I did um, landscaping, snow removal, landscaping in the summertime, wintertime, snow removal, and you learn the machinations of running a business. So when you do get to the next level, the next step in, ter- in terms of getting going from a tiny business to a not so tiny business to a small business to a medium sized business, yeah, you, those footsteps will get you there. Right, right. And right. entrepreneurship starts with anything. I mean, for your listeners, if you got an idea small, whether it's a barbershop or a hair salon, landscaping, snow removal, start it. You got to start somewhere, but have that trajectory plan to to what's next. Have a plan of action to move towards the next thing, a goal. You know, um, it's one said if it's not written down on paper, it's not a goal. It's a dream. You know? Yeah, it's very true. That that that's very true, and. You know, my first 10 years as an entrepreneur, I had business basically, I'll just come out and say it, it was basically thrown at me. It was, I was in business 10 years before I had to market or advertise because I had so many referrals pouring in, most of which I didn't even ask for. Now, that's both a blessing and a curse. A blessing in the sense that, hey, I have a stream of business. I can take it or leave it. Uh, the curse is I took on sometimes too much of it without a growth plan on the other side, and it caused me to get a little bit lackadaisical about some of the marketing growth stuff. So as our listeners know, between the years 2015 and 2017, I went through basically a two-year period of trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, 
and it was basically triggered by a variation of what you just said, something that's written down as a goal, something that's in your head as a dream. Yeah, and it matters. I mean, it's important. And, again, a, a mastermind group, a, a, a mentor, that's going to flush that. Number one, it's going to force that 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 dream to be put into put on paper, and then you're going to take it from paper and make it actionable items where now you have, you're being held accountable by a person or a group of people to push you towards that dream or to tell you that, you know what, you've lost your mind. This is never going to make money. Don't waste your time and move on to the next thing. And right. that's important. A lot of people just own a business just because they want to say they own a business. It's not a business unless you have some pathway to um, – to growth, some pathway to revenue. You're not going to make money the first day. You're not going to make money the first year, second year, third year. I mean, at best deal, when I purchased best deal, I didn't take a salary for three years. That's entrepreneurship. But there was a there was a plan that that made sense, that was validated by my my um my experience, but also validated by by trusted advisors and mentors that say, you know what, yep, this could work. But you have to be realistic with your you have to be realistic in your plans. You can't open up a business tomorrow and say, you know what? I'm gonna make a million dollars by next month. Yeah, if it's a meth lab, sure. But, oh yeah. Yeah, going back to my meth lab. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a meth lab, sure. But, you know, I mean, doing what we do today, um, we're not gonna make a million dollars in a month. Well, very very true. And see when I went into when I made the jump from working at a job to doing entrepreneurship, in some ways I was focused and I was disciplined and I had a plan there. After I finished my MBA at the end of 2002 from Duquesne University, I had this goal of becoming a training and development director for a Fortune 500. My MBA concentration was human resource management, so all in line. I got offers from a couple small companies that actually weren't even officially hiring, but they really liked what I had to offer, so they were going to create positions for me, and I turned them down. What happened in the meantime is I ended up reconnecting with one of my previous mentors, who at that point in in the season of his life owned a training and development firm. So I did some contract work with him, and then I caught the entrepreneurial bug, and then I went and started getting some other clients. And then for two years, I had this whole ox cart and horse thing in terms of, well, I need more clients so I can quit my job, and then I need to quit my job so I can get more clients. I think a lot of people are hearing this, and I probably spent two years basically just sitting there because I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't know what to ask, and part of the reason I didn't know what I didn't know and I didn't know what to ask is because at the time, I did not understand the mastermind principle, and how to seek out mastermind support. So for somebody, whether you are fully in entrepreneurship and whether you're doing the side hustle, and I would say, especially for minority entrepreneurs, the mastermind principle is very important because when we support each other, we all, you know, a rising tide buoys all ships. Absolutely. It's critical, man. I can't say enough about the mindset that, it puts you in, it puts you in a different mindset, right? You you start looking at things from different angles. You have you have ten, fifteen guys are are in a group that's pouring into you and saying, Hey, you know what? 
let me concentrate on your business for the next hour, the next week, and the next month. And let me let me think about what you're doing. Let me give you advice in my in my experience. Let me connect you with someone that you know you own a car service and you do medical transportation. You know what? I have a friend that does has a medical practice and he he needs a car service. You just got a new customer. And again, back to your point earlier, you got all this business through referrals, right? And right. referrals are the best business cards, right? They are. Referrals are the best business cards. You know, I had, um, we're doing some work, some volunteer work, um, giving back to the community at a local school, and I got a guy to do some towel work. I'm like, hey, you know what you do? Your work is excellent. Let me get your business cards. He looked at me, he's like, I don't print business cards. All my work are referrals. And that's that's a testament. That brought me back to my days of landscaping and snow removal. As a small entrepreneur growing up, there was no, there was no, um, uh, what's this? Uh, where you get uh, business cards, where you get the first 50 cards for free. I forgot the site. We didn't have that. I couldn't afford business cards, <laughs> right? So it was all referrals. You know, business cards for me was a little sticky pad with my number on it. And you know, and now you look at the, the whole idea of a mastermind people pouring into your business, spending time thinking about your business, validating what you're saying or giving you different points of views. It's priceless. It's priceless. And, I mean, you, you've you've seen the benefits, and I'm sure some of your listeners have seen the benefits. And for those who have not, check out the principle and check out the concept because it's it's if you haven't thought about a mastermind, again, whether it's my mastermind, whether Adam decides to start a mastermind tomorrow, or whoever's mastermind, you got to get with the concept because you are missing as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, as a future entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you are missing a boatload of advice, experience, and it's 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 amazing, man. I can't I can't say enough about it. I mean, half of the things I've done yeah. at Best Deal has been through ideas that were pitched to my through my mastermind. Half of the things that I have not done at Best Deal. Where that could have cost, that could have wasted hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. Where, where I was talked out of based on the, from the guys in my mastermind. Yeah, very, very true. Because, see, when we have, when we see things through our tunnel vision, we oftentimes are only focused on what we perceive to be that light at the end of the tunnel. You may not notice some of the side chambers of the tunnel itself. You may not notice some of the pitfalls within the chamber, the, the, the tunnel itself, and what you may not see is the possibility there's a different path once you emerge from the tunnel. Uh, and it's in order to truly understand the mastermind principle, I do encourage people, and this sounds almost cliche in the entrepreneurial world, but you should really make sure you have a firm understanding of Napoleon Hill and the Think mastermind and grow rich. principle. Think and grow, Think grow rich, rich, right? Yeah, because of, yeah, because the mas- yeah, because I've seen the term mastermind get bastardized. Where, uh, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Where yep. they call it a mastermind, but what it really is is group coaching, which is which is you know group coaching is great, and I get and I participate in group coaching programs. I've run a few group coaching programs. It's great. It's awesome. But it's not the same as a mastermind. There's a different principle at work, and. Then we see some of these things build masterminds sometimes where it it's not so much a mastermind in my opinion, but it's and I don't exactly want to use the word cult either, but it's like you join this thing and there 
and you find out that there's supposed to be one correct way of doing things or that it becomes here's the best way I can give explain it through an example. You see these masterminds out there and you know that it has maybe fifteen members. And then next thing you know, the fifteen people in this mastermind are each gonna do a a virtual telesummit where they're gonna have a bunch of guests that share stuff on X, Y, and Z. And once you see that so and so is doing their telesummit, you know they're a member of such and such mastermind, you already know who the other fourteen people are gonna be. It's like it's like a, I think the word you're looking for is like a following, right? A following, yeah. It's, and, it's almost like and, a following, yeah. Yeah, and and while there may be some masterminding going on there, I just don't think that quite hits it either. If you look at the definition of the term mastermind and what that actually means, it draws you closer to an understanding of what it is that we're seeking, and especially whether you're somebody who's coming into a situation where you don't have a lot of cash at hand, where you may be entering an industry that you're not really that familiar with, whether you're in a challenging situation, like let's say, uh, you know, as a minority entrepreneur and some of the challenges that are faced there, the mastermind is especially important in having people around you who can support you at that level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's key. I mean, it's it's key. It's it's why I decided um, to start a mastermind um, with the focus on minorities. And again, if you're not a minority, you want to join. It's not. It's, it's fine. But I noticed that one of the things, one of the reasons why it's the true definition, the true value of a mastermind. Um, it's helped me, and um, it's helped other guys in my group. And I've seen people go on. I have one guy in my group. Um, you know, he 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 runs runs a small a small business and through the mastermind, he's now a, a, a large I would say medium sized franchise, and that's all through mastermind right. and learning other, and learning other, you know learning other principles and getting other ideas and input from other people. So it's it's a great it's a great tool it's a great way to to learn, it's a great way to run your business and I think, you know your listeners, um. Obviously, they invest in themselves because they're listening to a great podcast such as yours. Thank what, you. You know, what, what, what people need to do is always invest in yourself because if you don't invest in yourself, no one's going to invest in you. You took that money, you, you know, you, you went to college and you took those student loans just like I did, right? Because uh-huh. we, we decided to invest in ourselves. You know, we're out of money, we can't buy books, so we're going to stop going to school and there's an option for a loan. Well, I don't want to owe anyone. I don't want to owe anyone in 20 years. Well, you know what? you got to invest in yourself. you got to make that sacrifice. Right, and that's what it's all about, right? That's what being an entrepreneur is all about—making the sacrifices that no one else wants to make. Because this, you know, earlier you, you alluded to this. It's lonely at the top. It's yeah. real lonely at the top being an entrepreneur. When you have to worry about, you know, making sure that all your employees are paid before you pay yourself. You can't pay yourself first as an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's, that's that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So. That's very true. And the I've seen people uh, go into entrepreneurship, and without even having made a dime, they've come up with a business plan that guarantees them a fifty thousand, or excuse me, hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year salary. Correct. I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking. Yeah, I love the idea of having a hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year salary, but there are a couple things at stake here. One of which is you can't afford that most likely if you're just starting out. Most likely you cannot afford that if you're just starting out. Second, even if you can, you probably shouldn't because more of that money should be going into reinvestment to grow the business faster. And third, 
if you're focused on how big your paycheck is, then you are not having really any understanding of entrepreneurial compensation. It's about much more than a paycheck when it comes to an entrepreneur. I mean, most entrepreneurs that I know, uh, regardless of what they show you in the way of their fancy homes and their nice cars and their ritzy vacations and everything else, uh, on paper they make minimum wage. Absolutely. That, that, that's, another, that's another thing that's uh, one of those rarely spoken about but everybody knows about its secrets. Well, it's, it's the truth. I mean, and, and I can tell you this. I mean, you're, you're in Las Vegas, and I'm in New York, and I can tell you this. We, to, between the two of us, coast to coast, I can tell you that's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. I mean, that is a fact. That's one of the the dirty little secrets of entrepreneurship, right? And But if you do it right, and we've seen this by the big box examples and some of the little examples that we that no one's heard of, if you do it right, it's going to give you that – that you're gonna you're gonna make money if you're doing it right, and then eventually you also not eventually at the same time you're going to satisfy a need. You're going to satisfy a need. You're going to um you're going to take care of people. And you're going to help people. You're going to create a um a legacy, so to speak, right? A positive legacy of being a business owner, being a fair business owner, and Providing a product or solution that matters and that that not only makes you money, it's satisfactory to the customers, your employees, and and, and eventually to your your family, right? Because your family is without your family and without what you're working for, what sense does it make? Right. Right. So, you know, entrepreneurship. It's um, it, it's my my old CTO. Uh, when I, back in the corporate world, he would say it's it's not sexy, but it, it's meaningful. It's ne- and it's it's a ne- it's definitely necessary because without entrepreneurship, you would not have an iPhone. Without entrepreneurship, you and I wouldn't be on the phone together today, having this conversation today. Yeah. If somebody had to think of you know what? How do I speak to somebody from a different you know? How do I speak to a guy in New York? Um, how would I get a hold of this guy immediately? And you know we're we're live on the radio. <laughs> Come on. Oh, oh, oh. That's oh, entrepreneurship, oh, oh. right? Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 Albert, you want to inspire the audience right now, um, the people who are going to be listening because they're my listeners and the people who are going to be listening because they're your fans? Let me tell you a story. Will you let me tell you a story about the mastermind principle and how close inspiration could be to you? You're going to love this. All right. Go for it. So in my senior year at Penn State, I was an RA, and one of my fellow RAs, that you know, RA stands for resident assistants, had done an internship with this guy who uh, at one point had worked for Disney and and had uh, become a keynote speaker and a published author and really loved to mentor people. So I got a chance to meet this gentleman at an RA training retreat uh, that summer. So fast forward a few months. I was the teaching assistant for a Middle East Studies history class. And I was really struggling to connect with my discussion group because every Thursday I led a discussion group of 25 students where we covered some of the details from the professor's lectures, and then we discussed current events in the Middle East and applied the teachings from the text to what was going on in the Middle East. And I was having a hard time getting people to speak. I was dismissing people 30 minutes early, you know, dismissing the group 30 minutes early because there was just nothing more to say. And it's like, like, I can't quite reach these folks. So then I thought to myself, what about this Steven guy? I, I you know, my my buddy worked for him for a summer as an intern and I met him once at that retreat 
you know, I'll 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 call him. Maybe he knows something. I, I know I know he'll never get back to me, but I'll at least try. Well, eleven o'clock uh, on a Tuesday morning, I I, I called I picked up that business card and I called Stephen. And this is a guy. He was a he was a C level guy at a company that had over two thousand employees. This is a pretty busy guy. Not only did he answer the phone live, but he spent an hour and twenty minutes with me. Nice. And I took about twelve pages of notes in that conversation. <laughs> he gave me everything I needed to master being a teaching assistant for that Middle East Studies history class for the rest of the semester. I mean, it was one eighty turnaround. And you know what the best part is? For an hour and twenty minutes, we did not discuss the Middle East. <laughs> My point being is, if you're looking for a mentor, a mentor could be as close as a phone call. Because people who understand the mastermind principle, I'll just come out and say it, they get their jollies off helping people. Absolutely. And you've got, to give them, you've got to give them the opportunity to embrace their yes and help you. Absolutely. That, that's, that's very, very important and very, very true. I mean, I could attest to that. Um, I can tell you, listeners, that that's 100% true. I mean, I see it every day. I'm a product of a mastermind. My yeah. business growth and my success, um, you know, I would never think, you know, five years after buying the company, five, six years, whatever it's been after buying the company, I'll be an Inc. I'll be an Inc. 5000. I would never think that um, I would run my ads on television, a local television um, you drive in New York City, you see a bus in the back of the bus, you have a best deal sign on the back of a bus. I would never think I would advertise, advertise period, much as advertise on the back of a New York City bus. All right, so I'm a product of a mastermind, and I know it works. And um, you could, you know, you just attested to that, and a coach, a mentor, and you'll never know what you're going to find out there um, without giving it a shot. you got to try it. Your listeners, you, you have to try it. Even, even if you come up with your own group, an own accountability group. you got to try it um, because it works. It, it, it works, and it's not necessarily that it's work. It's, it's needed. You need someone to bounce ideas off of. That's going to be non-judgmental. You can't ask your spouse, your partner, um, to give you to give you this advice. It's not going to be the same advice as someone that doesn't have anything to lose. Like, you know, like some of the stuff that I've done, um, in business, if my wife knew I was going to do it prior to doing it, she'd think I'm crazy. She probably thinks I'm crazy now, but she knows that it works, right? Right. It's working. She's seeing the product of the craziness. And I, you know, um, I was on a podcast um, a couple of days ago, and I tell people this all the time: crazy is good. Don't yes, don't is. be afraid to be crazy because uh, you know they shouldn't. You know, I guess they don't want to call us crazy people, so they call us entrepreneurs. They came up with that fancy word, but we're crazy people. Yeah. We, we we step out on a limb and we say, you know what? We're going to build businesses for people to to employ people, to help people. And that's what we do. That's what you've done, Adam. That's what I've done. And that's what yeah. some of the other listeners have done. And then you have people that are listening to to try and find that. You know, they, they right now they have their, their oh, am I going to work for someone or am I going to build a business? Right now they're on that the on the ledge, decided which way, you know, like on that yellow line in the middle of the street, which way should they go? Should they go back to work? Should they go to the office? Or should they start their own business? And I'm going to tell you, veer off to the left and decide and jump into something and, and, and try something for yourself. Worst case, it doesn't work. Worst case, it doesn't work. Don't burn any bridges. You go back to work. Right. That's, or very, that's very, do, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, even do it at the same time. You know, you know, find a business that you could run, a barbershop, a hair salon, and run it. You know, you're still working. I mean, I did it. You did it. I mean, I ran businesses when yeah. I was in college, right, and do it. But in order for you to, to um, in order for you to see the successes that an entrepreneur and the joy of being an entrepreneur, you have to try it. If you don't try it, you will never know. And, and this is the thing. Don't ever say, what if I've started my if I started my own business. It's been easier today, minus capital, it's been easier today to start a business than it was 20, 30 years ago. Is that a fair statement? You oh, that of? is so true. With technology today, come on. Yeah. Right? You, you got um, you got FaceTime, you got Zoom, you got text messages. There's so many different things you could do. But you got to give it a chance. You got to you got to step out and take a chance and do it. Well, you know, uh, when I was in college 20 years ago, what's available to people today to start a business was basically not available then. I mean, back then, uh, the idea that you could buy something by clicking a button on a website was a revolutionary concept that most companies did not even embrace yet. I mean, I mean there were e-commerce sites, but a lot of times you had to call them or you had to fax in a form. I kid you not. Absolutely. I mean, I've been there. Today, I mean, I, yeah, and, yeah and, and in college, I had a part-time job working in a fast food joint, which, you know, had its, you know, it had its benefits, and I actually learned some lessons about business that have carried with me uh, to this day. In fact, the dedication of my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, uh, the dedication is to two of my managers at the store where I worked. Now, all that being said, what's available to somebody today? You can do so many things to make that money that you need to put yourself through school. Maybe you have your student loan. Maybe you have your scholarship. But, you know, you need money for books. You need money for clothes. You need money for food. You need money for Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. You need, you know, money for vacation. You need money for spring break. You need money to keep the car running. What can you do? You can be a virtual assistant. If you can handle Absolutely. WordPress, you can be a VA uh, if you can – you know, figure out how to run a webinar, which is not difficult to do, believe me. Uh, and you can, you know, lean on someone like me to show you how to build a webinar that converts. Uh, you, uh, you can be an Uber driver or a Lyft driver. Literally, yep. whenever, whenever you have time, just turn on your meter and wait for a call, wait for a fare to come. Uh, guess that's, what? that's the second thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely, and guess, and that automatically makes you an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're working you're you, an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. It's your business. You decide how much time and effort to put into this business. You balance it with the rest of your life, right? You know, the guys that work for me or the drivers that work for me, they're independent contractors. And, I, you know, when I first started out, I had a meeting with a couple of them when we were small. I said, how many of you guys consider yourself entrepreneurs? Out of 30 guys in the room, two answered the question, two raised their hands. One knew the question before it was asked. He knew I was going to ask the question. Another guy just followed the leader. Now today... I ask that question in front of 300 guys, I'm going to get 600 hands, right? Because you're right. immediately an entrepreneur. It's your business. You decide how much you put in because what you put in is what you get out. Gar you know, in my That's computer days, as a computer, you know, graduated with uh, my degrees in computer science, undergrad, computer science, and we got a guy go garbage in, garbage out. What yeah. you put in is what you get out. Yeah. So our listeners may be thinking, Wow, I've just spent about 20 to 30 minutes listening to Mastermind and entrepreneurial stuff. What does this have to do with minority entrepreneurship? Well, let's circle back in the few minutes we have left so we can really bring this all together. It has everything to do with minority entrepreneurship because 
number one, a lot of these principles are universal no matter what type of business you're in. And number two, given some of the challenges that are unique to minority entrepreneurs, I mean, we've, had a lot of, we've made a lot of strides, particularly in the past year or so, in terms of minority entrepreneurs and the percentage of businesses that they own, but some of the challenges still very much remain. So what I'd like to do now, Albert, as we uh, bring this toward a close is what are some of the opportunities available for minority entrepreneurs right now where they can maybe combine the mastermind principle, combine some of the ways you can start a business, some of the ways that you can embrace the entrepreneurial dream and bring that all together. I mean, we understand that funding is an issue. We understand that uh, the way the bureaucracy works is an issue, but what are the opportunities? So if you have a minority entrepreneur listening right now, looking to break out, what are some of the things they can do? What are some of the ways they can move forward now? I would say the first thing you can do is, is just start. Get yourself around like-minded people. You know, you mentioned Black Enterprise earlier. I think magazine. You got to start investing in yourself. Start reading the right things. You know, Black Enterprise magazine, um, Inc. magazine, Entrepreneur magazine, Fortune. Start start um, reading and 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 really getting that entrepreneur bug. So you hear other people's stories. Then start listening to great podcasts like this. Seek out other podcasts. Right. And 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 start in, like investing in time into the business. So right now you're 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 going off on a on a different tangent. So you got to start from the ground up. Get that basic education. Um, Think and Grow Rich by Dale Carnegie. Take a read of that. Listen to some of his stuff, and then grow into that. Move into that entrepreneurship. Move into that entrepreneur mindset. You got to get yourself in the mindset because it's a big difference when you're going from employee to owner. It's a big difference. It's night and day. One of the things I want to do for your listeners um, is, and Plan Bill become, you know, you, you go to um, Plan Bill become uh, forward slash BCR. What we're going to do is, I'm going to offer 20% uh, off of my um, mastermind, mastermind coaching for the founding members. So anyone who signs up um, for a mastermind through through your um, through the website through through BCR Business Creators Radio through the show. We're going to give them 20% off, and there's no commitment. I'm not going to hold them to a time commitment, three, six months a year, whatever the case is. Get in there, get around like-minded individuals, and let's see if we could turn your dreams and your aspirations into reality. Wow, that's really great. So basically we're going to planbuildbecome.com forward slash BCR, and I encourage everybody to do that. I'm going to check it out myself. And I hope that over the past hour or so, what folks have learned is, number one, a lot of the principles facing entrepreneurs are, in fact, universal. And number two, one of the keys to success, whether it's a minority entrepreneur or anyone finding themselves in an entrepreneurial situation, is to reach out and seek the support of the community around you and recognize the opportunities that are right in front of you. Uh, let me ask you this as we wrap up here. Uh, you, know, you mentioned a lot of challenges that face minority entrepreneurs, and you, know, you gave a great list at the very beginning. But, I i mean, that may have tripped you up in some ways, but has it really stopped you? Absolutely not. No, I mean, no. A- anyone who thinks that these are the obstacles, they're there for a reason, right? The obstacles, are there, they're going to make you stronger. They're going to they're gonna teach you, number one. They're going to make you stronger. So, you know, yeah, there are obstacles. Like an obstacle course. You just train prepare and you, you know you can't climb that wall the first time you know um i'm a big fan of jocko jocko podcast 
you can't climb that wall the first time, you go back, you do your push-ups, you do your sit-ups, you do your you do your your exercise, whatever it is. The next time you hit that wall, you're going to climb over that obstacle. That's what it's all about. It's all about training yourself, preparing yourself to 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 to, to overcome those obstacles. Life's an obstacle. Right. Right. So you gotta you gotta just get your you know, Jocko would say, get your mind right. <laughs> you know. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so Albert Williams, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education, and I have really, really enjoyed going back and forth because I wish I had more opportunities to discuss the mastermind principle, and it was really great having this conversation. I love when like-minded people can come together to help serve business creators at the intersection of their brilliance and passion. Adam, the pleasure was all mine. I, I thank you, listeners, for tuning in um, for the hour. And I'm, you know, super stoked to have been your guest for the hour. Thank you so much. You bet. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.